Welcome to episode 30 of Have a Blessed Gay, your spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. And this is the very first episode of the new year, 2021. And we are starting it off with a big number. 30. This is the 30th episode. That is wild. If you want to continue this role of positivity, please do take a couple of seconds to leave the podcast a review. It'll feel so good doing a good deed, right? (laughs) It doesn't take long and it really does immensely help the podcast out. So I will truly appreciate it. What a crazy ass year 2020 was. I could talk about the negative aspects for a very long time, and I think we should talk about the negative aspects, but in a way that is helpful, in a way that moves us forward. We don't want to stay in 2020. We want to use 2020 to propel us the fuck forward. What did we learn? What did we not learn? And what do we hope to learn moving forward? Because I can get a little sentimental, I am going to give you my top 20 highlights of 2020, in no particular order. So put on your boots, your hat, and your chaps. Just keep those pants off, and let's do this roundup. Giddy up, bitches! Northern Ireland legalized same-sex marriage. Shit's Creek won the Emmy House down. Black Lives Matter movement. A plethora of LGBTQ plus senators and legislators made history in the U.S. election this year, like Sarah McBride and Richard Torres. Look over there! Jada Essence Hall won RuPaul's Drag Race. Love that damn queen. I May Destroy You on HBO, my favorite show of 2020. Elliot Page. Biden and Harris won, baby girl. The badass Stacey Abrams. The Queen's Gambit. That's some good shit right there. Mexico and Germany were among many countries who banned conversion therapy. Come on, America. What y'all doing? Megan the Stallion. Wop, baby. Wop. Another Texas girl, Kelly Clarkson, won an Emmy and got her talk show renewed. Scotland became the first country to make period products free. What the hell are the rest of us doing? HBO's Euphoria. The U.S. finally got a vaccine, while I got an air fryer and a soda stream. The series finale of Dark on Netflix, getting to spread way more time with Enrique and our dog Skater. And finally, starting this podcast. Yeehaw! Oh my gosh, so fun to reflect. 2020, what a year. And now I actually have my own correction corner. A little nod to one of my favorite podcasts, My Favorite Murder. So last episode, I said my live podcast will be taking place January 6th at 3.30, but it is at 4.30. (laughs) 4.30 Eastern Standard Time tomorrow, this Wednesday, the 6th. Boom, boom, boom. I am still so stoked. You can still get tickets, so make sure to use the code BLESS2021 to get 10% off to see my very first live podcast episode. There will be a Q&A at the end. I will be chatting with a guest I adore, Brandon Robertson. Plus, you'll get to see all the other amazing offerings the conference has to offer. They have some awesome lectures scheduled, groups, and social events planned. And it's all virtual. So no matter where you are, you can participate. 
If you would like to learn more and or attend, I have posted the link in the show notes and the code. Okay, I am really pumped about the main topic for this episode. Like my favorite dildo, it's something I've been sitting on for a while. When Kyle Myers was on the show, episode 19, in our conversation, I compared being gender and sexually fluid to being spiritually fluid. And you know when something comes out of your mouth and you're like, wow, am I smart? Hold on a second. I think I might be like, kind of smart. Okay, yeah, that was one of those moments for me. Kyle loved the concept, I love the concept, and since that moment, I've been wanting to chat about it. So, today is a damn day. Everyone grab some spiritual tampons, cause fluids are about to start flowing. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash blessed gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board in other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. What is spiritual fluidity? Spirituality that is in motion. It's ever-changing, ever-growing, and expanding. Spirituality that embraces different paths, different teachers, different walks of faith, finding what works, what connects you to this universe, to a higher power, and then using it. Spiritual fluidity is active It is not passive. It is not blindly doing what we are told to do, hoping we happen upon spirituality. It is a constant state of trying to better one's spiritual relationship. Remember, spirituality is a relationship. And relationships are inherently fluid. They cannot be stagnant. Not healthy ones, anyway. At the beginning of this year, it is a good time to look at what new practices we might want to try and explore. What are ways we can enhance our spirituality in 2021? But in order for this concept of fluidity to truly make sense, I think we gotta cover what gender and sexual fluidity is.
Mario, I'm Dr. Foletician, and welcome to this edition of Definition Rhetorician, where I go on the Cognition Expedition to define words and phrases. Now, with no further exposition, let's get to today's submission. Gender and Sexual Fluidity First up, Gender Fluidity for some people, gender is not just about being male or female. In fact, how one identifies can change every day, or even every few hours. Gender fluidity is simply when gender expression shifts between masculine and feminine, when social binary identities just don't quite seem fitting. This fluidity can be displayed in many ways, like how we dress, express, and describe ourselves. Non-binary or genderqueer, those are also terms on the spectrum of gender identities that are not exclusively masculine or feminine. These non-binary identities can, and do, sometimes fall under the transgender umbrella. Since many non-binary people often identify with a gender that is different from their assigned sex. Now second, sexual fluidity. Like gender fluidity, fluid sexuality is a more inclusive term which speaks to an individual's sexual orientation that is open and changing, you see and not gender binary based. A person who does not necessarily subscribe to anyone's specific orientation label. And with that, I hope you found satisfaction with this edition of the Definition Rhetorician feature. I shall now transition back to Tyler. Good day! As I get older, the concept of being a child and having labels forced upon us is baffling. It's a strange and bizarre social construct that we go along with. There are over 7.5 billion people on this planet. Now, I took the most basic math that I could possibly get away with in college, but I did pass with a solid A. So, I feel rather confident in saying that over 7 billion people, well, that's a lot of people. Just think of how our society is obsessed with the gendered binary, trying to fit those billions and billions of people into one of two categories. Two! That is Insanity Max led by Sean T himself, you know what I'm saying? How fucking stupid is the human race? Let's say you have a penis, and therefore you have to eat oatmeal every day for breakfast for the rest of your life. And no, I don't give a shit if you actually like it or not. If you don't have oatmeal, I say you're not a real man. Yeah, that sounds fucking ridiculous, right? But that's what we do. We label foods, clothing, music, even smells, masculine and feminine. We are crazy. We have these silly rules that make no sense. Why? Why do we do this with gender? And why do we do this with sexuality? Just like gender, 
With sexuality, our society expects people to fit into cookie-cutter categories when we have extensive knowledge that never has any individual perfectly fit into these categories since the damn beginning of time. We have the evidence going back to the first known civilizations. In fact, there are a ton of amazing androgynous and fluid ancient gods. In Hindu mythology, there's the god Shiva, described as gender fluid. An early Egyptian god, Happy, is described as gender fluid. The Mesopotamian god, Ishtar, described as gender fluid. And there are so many, many more. Before conservative Christians came to wreak havoc in America, there were a ton of American Indian cultures that embraced bird ageism, which is the state or practice of being transgender or third gender. It's everywhere. Gender fluidity, although you may read articles alluding to the idea that it's somehow a new concept, it's not. It goes back to the beginning of time, especially seen outside of the Abrahamic religious cultures, outside of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. However, we can find elements even within those religions. The wonderful Kimberly Bryant mentions in her B-Word article on the Have a Blessed Gaze website, which I highly recommend you read if you haven't, by the way, that even the ancient Hebrews had a word for the feminine aspects of the Hebrew and Christian God, Shehina. So when you hear some dumbass people saying that fluidity is a modern concept, no, that is just not true, and educate them, please. Fluidity follows the basic concept of evolution. So, if you believe in evolution, if you believe that people age, that they mature, their taste buds morph, allergies come and go, ideas and concepts change, then fluidity makes sense. As we continue through life, hopefully anyway, we do grow. We do change, we, we try things, we question things, and we learn things. I may identify with a label male right now in this very moment. But does that mean that I will forever and ever on men and never do anything that someone might consider feminine? Hell no, of course not. No one is 100% anything all the time. I cannot possibly 100% identify as everything male, constantly. I wouldn't be able to function in our society. Again, logistically, it just doesn't make sense. But that's why we have toxic masculinity. That's why we have men committing suicide at a rapid rate. Because male-identifying individuals are told they must be male-identifying 100% of the time. And if they are not, they are lesser than. But that's just not true. And what if? What if it didn't matter? What if people weren't obsessed with genitals? What if everyone just thought of themselves and others with some element of fluidity? I would like to take an important moment to note that it is okay to identify as something today and not tomorrow. And that does not mean it was a phase. It doesn't mean that that identity yesterday was not valid. It doesn't mean that the one today is not valid. And it doesn't mean that you won't identify with some other identity tomorrow. That is something fluidity offers. Fluidity. A chance to be less concerned about fitting a stereotype and simply concerned about living. Give yourself permission and encouragement to live as you.
less concerned with labels, and more concerned about honoring your higher self. Which brings me to spiritual fluidity. When I grew up, I was told Jesus was the only way that the Church of Christ was the superior and holiest of Christian denominations. And I was surrounded by people who genuinely believed that. We put ourselves in a precarious situation when we claim to be a part of a one true religion. That can be Christianity, it can be Islam, it can be Hinduism, it can be any religion or faith. The problem is, we begin to worship the religion itself versus using the religion as a practice. That's really all that a religion should be, a set of practices and traditions for people to follow in order to connect in some way to a higher power and the community around them. But religions have a tendency to become cults, and what that means is people start to feel that they belong to a religion. It becomes their identity. And that's how cults get you. You are not just Wanda, a 40-year-old CEO with four kids. No, 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 no. You are a Christian. Wearing it as a badge of honor, an indicator to everyone else, you are a good person. It's like a fraternity, you know? Once a beta, always a beta. And it feels good to belong to a group, to say I am a part of this greater movement. So yeah, usually it starts with sunshine, roses, and glitter in the asshole. But then BAM! You're in a cult, motherfucker! And once you're in, it's hard to get out. The leaders can use fear tactics to keep you in, saying that their religion is the best, the only true one. You must show obedience to the religion and to them, and you must live your life by arbitrary, man-made guidelines in order to receive heaven or whatever the reward is. But if you stray, if you decide, hey, I might do this, you're lesser than. If you don't do that, you're lesser than. If you wear this, you're lesser than. If you say that, you're lesser than, and then it spirals and it spirals, just like gender and sexuality, and all your energy goes toward feeding this identity. Sound familiar? This can also be associated with a lot of other things too, so whatever this brings up for you, go with it. When people are in this religious cult-like environment, they begin to live their lives based on that religion, and because of that, they enforce, directly or indirectly, those beliefs and practices on other people. We directly or indirectly enforce these things because we are trying to be the best person we can be. The ideal stereotype. And every religion has one, right? Every religion has an ideal. What a holy person looks, acts, and sounds like. But that is a ridiculous concept in and of itself. I mean, <laughs> that was Hitler's whole campaign after a point. Didn't we learn anything from that? And you know, this concept always cracks me up a bit because in Christianity, Jesus is said to be the ideal. Yet, Jesus was a big fucking radical. 
a major rebel with more angst than all the customers of Hot Topic combined. If Jesus lived today, conservative Christians would hate Jesus. They'd call him liberal trash. Religions can move from being about whatever they were originally created for to being about the religion itself, ultimately promoting supremacy. But if we remember that all religion is, is a set of practices and traditions to feel connected, tools to help us with our spiritual relationship, then it does kind of demysticize the idea of religion a bit. I sometimes claim the label Christian, mainly because I'm used to those practices and traditions. And as you know, I do love Jesus and each one of his eight abs. But the primary reason is, I'm simply used to it. I'm comfortable with the prayers, the songs, the whole setup. But it's more complicated than me saying Christian, because Christian means something different to different people. Even within Christianity, the types of practices and traditions greatly vary depending on the denomination and the area, just like gender and sexuality. For me, I love a rock and roll church service. I want a band, a 40-year-old song leader in skinny jeans, a female pastor with purple spiky hair, and a coffee shop in the lobby. I love that shit. Are you kidding me? I think that all stems from me growing up in a super conservative environment. The practices and routines are very similar to what I was raised in, like the format of prayer, music, prayer, sermon, communion, offering tray, another song, prayer, boom, done, peace out. Nothing new, nothing different. It's just the wrapping and presentation of those practices that look different. But yeah, the addition of contemporary music, a diverse, inclusive group, that's enough to give me a major spiritual heart-on. However, Enrique, my partner, was raised Catholic, and he prefers a traditional service filled with more traditional elements, like set prayers, group prayers, candles, kneeling, chanting, incense, all the things. And although I appreciate that, it's just not my cup of tea. It doesn't give me the feels, you know? Like when you try to find a gym or a form of exercise, it all depends on the person. There's no one singular best exercise for 7 billion people on this planet. Some folks love yoga, while others are into CrossFit, while others are into running, while others are into ballet, while others get their cardio in by having sex five times a week. It's whatever works best for each individual person. If the goal is to sweat out 300 calories, and each person achieves that from a different safe method, then does the vehicle really matter? I don't think so. I think it's all pretty much trying to do the same thing. And that's basically what I think of religion. I don't feel lesser than because I don't find traditional services spiritually fulfilling. And Enrique doesn't feel lesser than because he doesn't find contemporary services spiritually fulfilling. And although one of us could majorly compromise and say, fine, I'll go with you to a service I don't love, which each of us have done many times, to do it on and on though, that's silly because it defeats the purpose of church. It defeats the purpose of religion. As all relationships do, Enrique and I have evolved as a couple because we have evolved as individuals. We started dating as teenagers. We went through college together, a major move across the country together, a ton of jobs together, a ton of ups and downs together. But if we had tried to stay the same couple we were as teenagers through all of that, 
we wouldn't have lasted this long. We had to embrace evolution as individuals and therefore embrace evolution as a couple. I believe that is a key to why we are so happy still. We have committed to this type of fluidity together, whether we have called it that or not. Spirituality is a relationship. So as we morph and grow as individuals, so will our spiritual relationship. It has to. Otherwise, you won't have one. Or if you do, it'll be a shitty one. So how do we embrace evolution spiritually? By giving ourselves time, dedicating special time to grow a spiritual connection. Relationships take work, take being present. Why would spirituality be any different? I used to feel a lot of shame or guilt for ever thinking of practicing something that was not Christian. Now, I realize that was brainwashing. Cults tend to do that, you know. But it's nice to look around, seeing what rituals, what practices are out there and available to me. And honestly, it kind of sometimes feels like everyone pretty much uses the same ones, but they call them different names. Like, a fun example. I am very into tarot and spells right now. I know, I know, but it's interesting because it really reminds me of Christianity. I think that's partially why I really connect with it. The package looks a little different, but the intentions, they feel the same for me. And for Christmas, I was gifted intention and or spell candles that are already mixed with like crystals and ingredients for specific spells. They are super cool. I will actually go ahead and just link them in the show notes if you want to check them out. But I lit my first one the other day, and the whole process was really beautiful. It's actually still burning right now. I'm looking across at it as I speak. I did this first candle with Enrique. First, we used sage to cleanse the space and ourselves. Very similar to, like, a Catholic mass. Well, really, all the major world religions have traditions and rituals using sage or incense to cleanse, so that's more of a universal thing. And that's where we started. We first cleansed, then I lit the candle, saying a prayer out loud, voicing my intention. Enrique did the same. And then we sat there meditating with a candle together. Ceremonial candles accompanied by prayer, again, that's a super common thing in most religions. So, yeah, it has the word spell on it, but it's basically the same thing. I just happen to like this packaging. But that doesn't mean that I can't utilize multiple things from multiple different walks of faith. Just like our gender and sexuality, we are not simple one-dimensional beings. Thus, our spirituality must have dimension. It must have layers, varying practices that make up our ever-evolving spiritual DNA. And when we're thinking about different practices, it's good to remind ourselves that religion is different from spirituality. They are separate things. No one, not one person, not a parent, not a child, not a friend, not a minister, not a church, not a whole damn religion can dictate what your spiritual relationship is. That is for you and you alone. Did you hear me in the back? That is for you and you alone. Your spiritual relationship is yours if you want it. And fuck anyone who tries to make it theirs.
spirituality and religion can live together, and they can live apart. So you don't have to be in a religion in order to be spiritual. There are plenty of ways to connect to spirit. I encourage you to look around, pick up some tips and spiritual tricks that you like, that you feel called to, and be the glorious spiritual slut I know you can be. Now, as a little footnote, I am not advocating going around appropriating the shit out of what's not yours, but there are healthy and respectful ways to pick up traditions, rituals, and practices. So please be a good, thoughtful person as you do this, but definitely do it. Hell, that's a major point of this whole podcast Hearing from those who are different, who are walking different paths, are in different faiths, learning from them, and hopefully becoming more open and maybe even more fluid. I will definitely continue exploring this topic because I really enjoy it. Let me know if the term fluid speaks to you and what elements make up your spirituality. Do you have labels? What practices do you practice? Traditions are you a part of? What rituals do you incorporate in your life? Are there any new practices you wish to learn about or try in this new year? Please do send me a DM or email. I love to hear about your goals and to know what you might like to hear in this year on the podcast. Check out the show notes, make sure to subscribe, like, and review, and because this last year was so taxing and shit-filled, you might not be in a great place. But this is a reminder that I always post helplines in the show notes, so please reach out if you do need to. Just remember this, whatever your identity feels like today, tomorrow, or next week, you are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.